Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on this day with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, as you've been hearing on the news, and so many people offering up tributes and kind words after learning of the Queen dying earlier today. She was 96. We know that Queen Elizabeth II spent more than seven decades on the throne as the UK rebuilt from war, lost an empire, transformed its economy, and both entered and left the European Union. Take a listen to this, some words from Queen Elizabeth on her 21st birthday that was in April of 1947. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me, as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow, and God bless all of you. That was Queen Elizabeth II on her 21st birthday. She was with her parents and younger sister on a tour of South Africa. That was a speech that was broadcast on radio from Cape Town. She was there dedicating her life to the service of the Commonwealth. Well, joining us now to talk more about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II is Kenneth Lane. Kenneth Lane is with the Monarchist League of Canada. Thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Thank you, Jill. It's nice to hear from you. I don't get to listen to you as much since you left the weekend shows. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And uh, yes, uh, a little bit of a different schedule. Uh, but Kenneth, again, thank you so much. I know uh, that you are very, very busy today, as many are. What was what went through your mind, your reaction when you first heard this? We knew that uh, she was being watched by medical teams, that you learned that she had passed away. Well, it's like... Um, you know someone's going to pass away, and you expect it. But when it actually happens, it's still a shock. Uh, we were watching, I guess, fairly closely than most, maybe, the, the health challenges of Queen Elizabeth II. And, and last March, we predicted that she wouldn't make it till Christmas. And by George, that's what's happened. Yeah, it's a it's a good way of putting it because again, when we talk about somebody who is ninety six and uh, such an incredible life, it, it's not a surprise. It's not a huge shock that somebody at the age of ninety six passes away. But to, even if you're prepared for it, it's still uh, that moment when it was announced was still quite sobering. I think for many. Yep, indeed it was, and, and uh, it'll take a while to sink in. Uh, what do you think, as far as people remembering back and looking back at the Queen, people will have different memories. If It might be that they're thinking about a visit that she paid to Canada or what she kind of endured, what she presided over during her reign. What do you think of when you think of Queen Elizabeth II? Uh, I was fortunate to pick up a book at a second-hand shop within the last month, and it was all about the Queen and the King that she served. And it's all about her faith. And that's given, I mean, that's what um, kept her, and we think, just observing what kept her uh, humble. Because she, she, you know, she, she never let the being queen go to her head or go to her mind or, you know, go crazy. She was always the humble uh, people's queen, like Diana was the, was the people's princess. I think Diana was very much the emulated the, 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 the attitude and the aspirations of Queen Elizabeth II. Right. And, and when you look at this as well, and people will take some time to reflect and look back on this today, a lot of people commenting as well that when her husband passed away, and we all remember that photo and wearing the mask and sitting in the church, and there was a lot of concern that she, she lost her lifetime partner and that maybe we would see the decline of her after that. Well, it, uh, not not to be expected, but I think for better or for worse, that one photo and that whole experience raised um, people's awareness of just how valuable Prince Philip was to to the Queen and and her success as as Queen of England for all those years. He was an amazing man. What do you think about now? We obviously we know that it is King Charles III as the successor to the throne. No surprises there. But how do you think that will change even people's perception and how people kind of think about the monarchy? 
Well, whenever there's a change, there's there's a bit of unrest or upset, shall we say. Uh, Starting with Buckingham Palace, I suppose, they they make the point that Charles will bring in his own people. So the people that have been serving Queen Elizabeth II will not be there anymore. But But as monarchists, again, we support King Charles and, and all that he and all that he represents. The challenge we have for many of us is that he's entered into the political sphere, and that's verboten, so to speak. And so he's he's going to have a rough ride for a little while, unless he gets himself out of the political sphere. Hmm. And and when you say for a little while, what kind of a timeline do you think we might be looking at there? Well, it depends on how fast he moves. If he makes changes that are gradual and you don't really notice them particularly, it'll be fine. But if he moves too soon, too fast on major issues, he's going to have a problem. And, I mean, the, the, the reaction will be quite um, noticeable. And I think the biggest problem the British royalty have is they've, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner, through Charles mostly. Um, you know, the, there are so many people now that can't afford their utility bills and so on because of green energy policies that Charles has supported. And now you've got the royalty people living you know, fairly well off, telling the people who are have less and less to work with and are going to have a very difficult winter, from all accounts, how to live their lives. That's a problem. That never turns out well. Hmm. Do you think that there's a possibility or is that kind of overshadowing uh, a day of reflection? Obviously, uh, that people will move on and need to move on, but does that overshadow a day to, to think back and to celebrate the longest reigning monarch? Well, it, it won't overshadow, I don't think, you know, mainframe or, you know, you know the citizenry at large, because um, they'll be certainly thinking of Queen Elizabeth, all she was and all she meant. Um, the people who are, quote-unquote, the handlers behind the scenes, they'll be fully preoccupied with, with uh, Charles coming to the throne and what that means. And this might seem like a silly question or, or an obvious question, but d- does everything change as far as branding and what has the Queen's face and picture on it now? Does that change to become King Charles's face? It has in some instances already. The Monarchist League of Canada, headquartered in Ontario, have already sent out the new image. Um, it's the same sort of Canadian coin image, but instead of the image of the, of the profile of the Queen, it's the profile of Charles. So that's already started to happen. Hmm. And will more? Will there be more changes then? Do you think even even our our legal system is is QC? True enough. Um, but again, these changes have happened in the past with with kings and queens coming to and from the throne. So there's there's lots of precedent. So I think you know that will happen without you know rather seamlessly. I would suggest. All right. Uh, Kenneth Lane, thank you so much. Uh, I know, again, it's been a very busy day for you, but thanks so much for taking the time and for joining us. Good to talk to you, Jill. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the program. We are talking about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, and we'll have more time for your calls on the open line. But right now, we are joined by Sharon Molkak, who has one of the largest royal-themed Instagram accounts out there and is a self-confessed royal addict. Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning. It's my pleasure. It's this, a very, very sad time for all of us. It, it certainly is. And sorry, this afternoon, it's been uh, such a, a busy day. It is uh, afternoon. Uh, now, what what are your thoughts? And when you first heard and found out, not only uh, we knew that the Queen was being monitored by medical officials and then getting that official word that Queen Elizabeth II had passed away. It was such a shock, no matter that we were all prepared. I mean, she was 96 years old. So we knew that this was coming for the last year. We were we were being prepared because of her ongoing mobility issues. But still, when it dropped at 5:20 this morning, my that that the doctors had made that announcement, um, my jaw dropped. And then just waiting all day, you know, we were just on tenderhooks. We were holding our breath in the royal community. We seriously were holding our breath. And then to see it to see it actually happen. Oh, just a shock. 
a real shock. And it sounds cliche, and and obviously it is to say the end of an era, but but it really is when we look at her history and what she did and 70 years on the throne, what she saw in her lifetime as well. It's just, uh, as some were pointing out, for many, many Britons and people around the world, this is the only monarch that they've known. Yes, there, she is. She's always known, and her example as queen, as monarch, has been just so outstanding. She has served with such diligence and never put a foot wrong. And in this day and age, that's such a strange thing to have happen. But she's been always just just grace personified, and and it really is. Yes, as cliche as it sounds, it is the end of an era. There will never be another like her. Was it Queen Elizabeth II that brought you into that kind of being, as you put on your page, that you are a self-confessed royal addict? Or was that part of the reason that you became such a fan of the royals? Absolutely. My mom was a royal royal watcher from her young days. And, and so I just kind of, it's just always just kind of been in my DNA, you know. And, and then one day I just, just like you know what, I just need to have this conversation on Instagram and started my own account. And the royal community, the people that are out there just thirsting for for that conversation to be able, a place to be able to express themselves, and now especially today, to express themselves and a place to mourn together as a royal community. It's, it's really fascinating. And uh, so the account then, is, is it at Royalty with Jam? Yes, it is. And what kind of response? So what are people saying on your account today? It's, I was doing an Insta Live just right after the news stopped, dropped out of her death. And people around the world, um, Iran, Brazil, just it, it's global. Her presence has touched every part of the globe. Everyone loves her. She, she has become everyone's grandmother or great-grandmother and such a respected person, so beloved. I even uh, I was thinking about this. I, I was in I had a trip that I went on in the summertime and I went to London. So I, I went I walked by Buckingham Palace and I mentioned to somebody a family that lives there that I was going to go to Harrods because I had never been there before. And their first response was, oh, you know, the queen shops at Harrods and uh, quite proud of that, uh, that fact. So I went there. So today I'm drinking the tea that I bought at Harrods uh, in, uh, in uh, out of respect for for the queen. But I think so many people just have stories and memories, even if it's just watching her visit and watching her on TV or watching how she interacts with people or interacted with people. And isn't it amazing that we were able to participate in her Platinum Jubilee just this past June? And I was able to be in London for that and to be amongst those crowds and just feel that love that people have for her. And on the very last day of the, of the Jubilee celebration, Sunday evening, and she stepped out onto the balcony. And I wasn't able to be, see her personally on the balcony, but I was standing in front of one of the huge screens on the mall. And she stepped out in that beautiful green. And I burst into tears. Hmm. I mean, this I didn't realize that this was just a, a lifelong dream of mine to be able to sing God Save Our Gracious Queen, God Save the Queen, to her. And, you know, I sang as if I was standing right in front of her and she could hear me. It was just such an amazing moment. And I think for so many, we're so grateful. I've seen people saying that they're so grateful that we had this Platinum Jubilee, that we were able to celebrate that with her and see her, even though it was sparingly in these last few months, that we were able to see her. Right. And even though it's uh, uncomfortable to talk about it or say it, even during that time at the Jubilee, I'm sure in in some way you you were probably thinking and others were probably thinking too, not only what an amazing opportunity this is, but that opportunity was not going to come up again. You're right. It's been in the back of our minds for, for the last, well, ever since Prince Philip died. When, when he passed, it woke us all up to the reality that the queen is probably not far behind. And, and as much as we were prepared for it, we, you know, we're just never really ready for it. But, um, that, and I think that's what made the, the Jubilee so much more for everybody was knowing that 
no monarch had ever been this far before, and one will probably never get that far again. Right. And uh, and the passing of Prince Philip, and you mentioned, as or we were talking about this earlier, and, and people will remember that photo of the Queen sitting, and, and when it really did hit home that, uh, that her partner had passed away and, and she was in the church and was alone, how much do you think that that was an impact? Like you said, so many people wondering how how much farther behind she would be or or how much of a toll i suppose it would take on her life losing him you know a lot of us have been through the passing of grandparents and and seen how when when someone in those years loses their spouse that they just seem to to deteriorate faster and she had enjoyed she's been such a healthy person all of her life and 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 then to see her just slowly, every time we saw her, she would just seem that she had lost a little bit of weight. And, you know, there were just a couple of bruises, you know, on her legs that weren't healing properly or, you know, and, and just lately, the latest was two days ago when she, you know, said goodbye to her uh, going out prime minister and, and greeted Liz Truss. Um, and, and everyone noticed the the bruise on her hand and really there was such strong speculation that there's something there's something more going on here that they're not telling us it it has been difficult for us to to think about but um we knew we knew it was coming and it's just it's just been so poignant every every time that we think about seeing her Right. Yeah, you're right. And I think when we saw or read the statement this morning before she had passed, even the wording people noticed was different, saying that she was comfortable, that she was under medical, uh, getting medical attention. It kind of the shift was there and we knew that that something something was going to happen. And of course, we found out later that she had passed. Such a huge shift for one. Um, I think it was last October when she spent the night in hospital and Buckingham Palace didn't let us know when the tabloids found out. And that's how Buckingham Palace finally admitted that she had been in the hospital. But they said then that they were not going to give us a running commentary of her health. So uh, so this was so very different. And that's when we knew something is really seriously going on here, that Buckingham Palace has released a statement about the Queen's health. This is not good. How do you think things will change then? Obviously, King Charles III is now uh, the head of the the monarchy. How do you think p- things will change as far as people's perceptions or what people think about uh, the monarchy now with Queen Elizabeth gone? Well, he's in his 70s, isn't he? So he's definitely not going to have a long reign. And and I've I've speculated from, from for a while now that he's really just going to be an interim king. And I think people are really waiting for William to become king. But I'm so glad that Charles gets his gets his day to to be king, although part of me feels like um, his best work has been done. He's served really, really well uh, in his position. And uh, I think he'll he'll be a good a good king for the time that he has. Um, I think people are ready for him. Uh, as sad as it is, and as heartbreaking to to say goodbye to the queen, I think that we she has prepared us by stepping back step by step over this past year, and and having him for, fulfill more of of her duties. Um, it's really helped us to see him as a king. So I think it's going to not be as big a change for us as it would have been, say, if she had passed suddenly um, two years ago. All right. Well, we'll leave it there uh, for today. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. And people can check out your Instagram page that is at Royalty with Jam. Uh, hundreds, uh, but 165,000 or more followers. Uh, people uh, will obviously be wanting uh, to talk about this and share memories and such. But thank you so much for joining us to talk about this today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, my next guest is a royal commentator, also somebody who has studied the royal family as well as other monarchies around the world. Edward Wang joins us now to talk more about this and the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Thank you so much for being with us today. 
Thank you for having me. Uh, I know you also traveled in 2011 uh, for a very special event. You were also in London for the Platinum Jubilee. Uh, what was your response when you heard earlier today that Queen Elizabeth had passed away? I think for someone, you know, we've been preparing for this eventuality. Uh, let's be honest, she, is, she was 96 years old. And I think, you know, starting from a few years ago when we had heard words of some enduring health difficulties for Her Late Majesty, we've been trying to prepare ourselves. But for someone who has been around us as the constant, uh, ever-present figure, the perennial figure, it's, it's very difficult. And I think it's very hard to even prepare for that. So when I heard about the news of her late matches and passing, I was quite shocked and, you know, and, and, and quite tearful. In fact, I do have a bit of goosebumps even right now. And, and I think, you know, this is, this is the legacy of Her Majesty the Queen. She has touched so many peoples around the world. And whether uh, they were citizens of a country of which she was head of state or even not. And, and I think this is, you know, and she obtained that reputation and that legacy due to her dedication to public service and her dedication to her peoples. And do you think it is that, that dedication to service when you mentioned that and when we've been looking back at when she uh, talked about that when she was 21, when she said she would spend her whole life, however long it was, dedicating herself to the public service and then did exactly that. And people saw so many examples of that. Is that, do you think, what, what kind of endeared her to so many people, whether or not you were a fan of the monarchy? I think so, because, you know, in a day and age when I think, you know, so many people would say uh, that the people are, are, are quite about themselves and, and bettering themselves. Here we have a figure who was, whose focus was on others. Granted, she had immense privileges throughout her life, but she did not have to do her duties to, with the same dedication that she had led for the last 70 years. Uh, over the last 10 years, many monarchs in Europe abdicated. The former Queen of the Netherlands, the former King of Spain, the former King of the Belgium, all abdicated to make way for their younger uh, heirs. But here we had some, uh, our sovereign carrying on until 96 years old. Two days before she died, she was up and available to invite the new British Prime Minister to form a government. And I think, you know, when that photograph was released two days ago, many of us were like, okay, the Queen is still doing okay. She has that energy in her. But, you know, I, I think, you know, even two days before her death, she was doing the most she can and carrying on with her duties as sovereign. And you mentioned the life of privilege, and, and you're right in that even looking at how she lived, she had the Buckingham Palace residence, she had the Windsor Castle, she was, as we know, in Balmoral in Scotland where she passed away earlier today. Do you think there was some forgiveness there, though? People, would, people were okay with that because, like you said, it was this life of service, and she didn't walk away from it. She went into it, and she dedicated her life to it, which, which would have come with its own challenges. Yes, I, I think in a system with a constitutional monarchy, those privileges that she grew up with were not free, and she paid her due in course. And how so? What do you mean by that? Well, definitely with, with her dedication to her duties, always be putting her peoples first, not saying, I'm just going to call it in because now I'm 70 or 80 or even 90. She knew that in a constitutional monarchy, having those privileges such as, a, a, you know, the, uh, in, uh, the various palaces and the castles and the staff, you know, having those privileges comes with certain responsibilities and she has carried out those out. Do you think this changes then the worldview of the monarchy in in England, the worldview of, of what it's going to look like given that she has passed and it is now King Charles at the head of it? I think in the last number of years, the Queen did everything within her power to ensure a smooth transition into the new reign. Uh, in the 2018 uh, meet, uh, meeting of the Commonwealth Heads of Government, she ensured that the heads of government uh, supported the, the appointment of the now King Charles as the succeeding head of the Commonwealth. Earlier this year, uh, when uh, marking her 70th anniversary in February, she did note that it was her preference for Camilla, now the Queen Consort, to be known as that title when Charles became king. So I think the queen has done everything her intent, uh, everything she could to ensure a smooth transition. But definitely, here we have a new monarch without the same 
you know, historical ties to his people that the Queen has. But, you know, here's also a prince, of, a new sovereign who has been Prince of Wales for a very long time, who has championed many issues that are the forefront of daily society right now, such as sustainability and the environment. And, you know, the Queen was a monarch uh, who led by example. Um, and that example has been, you know, followed, inherited, and has been really looked upon and adopted by her heirs and successors. The Prince of Wales, although has a different, sorry, the King, although he has a different way of doing things than the late Queen Elizabeth, really has the same, you know, um, overarching themes on how you would approach being a monarch. And the late Queen's examples have been very much adopted by uh, Prince William, now Duke of Cambridge and Cornwall, and heir to the throne. So I think while there is this significant change of a new reign, uh, the Queen's la- the late Queen's lasting impact on her family ensures that uh, the monarchy will continue. It has continued for a thousand years after all. Right. Do you think, though, that, and, and it's hard not to jump too far ahead, and I, I don't mean any disrespect by doing that. Obviously, today is a day to remember Queen Elizabeth II and to look back at her legacy. But there are so many questions about what we might see as far as the Commonwealth, if we might see other countries that pull away more or that don't feel that strong of a tie, given the transition to King Charles. Do you think we might see a shift and, and more of that maybe questioning the need and and being part of that? I think part of the success that the Queen had with respect to the Commonwealth, and particularly countries that leave the monarchy but stay within the Commonwealth as a republic, and let's just remember the majority of the Commonwealth are actually republics, not monarchies. And I think part of the success was the late Queen's ability to have that sense and understanding that when it's time to go, you let people go. But you do it in such a way that they want to at least maintain certain uh, relationships uh, that uh, will still enable the, uh, the the international community that is the Commonwealth. So the Queen isn't the Queen wasn't one to hold tight. And let's say most recently for Barbados when they uh, became a republic, uh, the Queen supported that because it is the wish of the uh, of the people. And I think the royal family is very uh, cognizant that that you know uh, moods within countries shift, and eventually there will be. Uh, additional realms who shift to a Republican system, um, but will, after all, stay within the Commonwealth as Republican members. You know, there are currently 15 countries within the Commonwealth uh, out of over 53 uh, that retain the monarchy, and that's the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and a few other South Pacific and Caribbean countries. It could be later in the reign of King Charles III that the numbers dwind and become even smaller, and, and that has been the trend. But I think the royal family, they keep themselves relevant by not clinging to the past, by looking to the future. And I think that's something that the new king will adopt as well. Interesting. And we are expecting we will hear from King Charles tomorrow. He will make an address. Uh, when you think back to traveling, when you went to the Platinum Jubilee, what was it like as far as the, the sense of the, the, the huge crowds and people there? In uh, We were talking about this earlier as well. Even though it was very celebratory and it was a celebration, it must have been in the back of people's minds that this was also very special because this was likely going to be the last one or the last the last ones you know you, you that's exactly the feeling I, you know i got to the mall on the trooping the color day at 4 a.m and you know the crowds weren't there yet and i had a number uh, of really uh you know uh, uh, significant conversations with the people around me the ones that came really early and i think the the, the feelings were there we recognized that this was a celebration of the queen's long dedication of service but at the same time we did realize that you know, there was some poignancy to this because this was the last, this was going to be the last major celebration of the reign. And, you know, uh, I didn't expect that this would happen so soon after the Platinum Jubilee weekend, but it has happened. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to go, uh, you know, celebrate in June. When And looking back as in your role as a commentator and having been at these events, have you ever met any of the royals or do you have a specific or a favorite memory of one of the events? So in uh, 2002, uh, when uh, Her Majesty and Prince Philip came to Canada as part of their Golden Jubilee tour, 
Uh, I was a first-year student at the University of British Columbia, and the Queen and Prince Philip came to UBC uh, for a uh, performance as well as a royal walkabout. <laughs> and I remember I showed up in my political science discussion uh, segment with a teaching assistant with a bouquet, and I asked her if I can leave early so I can get a good spot along the route. And, and, I, and I did leave early, and I, I thought I got a good spot. And, and the Queen did walk by me and took the flowers that I gave her, and I said, you know, these are for you, Your Majesty. And she said, thank you very much. And, you know, that's something I remember very much to this day. Oh, yes, that's uh, certainly a memory you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Edward, thank you so much for joining us on this sad day for so many people. Thank you so much for your expertise on this topic. It was great having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, as we know, Queen Elizabeth passed away peacefully a few hours ago at her Scottish estate. That's the estate where she had spent much of the summer. We know members of the royal family rushed to be at the side of the Queen. And then news came officially that she had passed away at the age of 96. Her son, who is now King Charles III, talked about the death of his mother, saying it was a moment of great sadness for him and his family and that that loss would be deeply felt around the world. We will be hearing more from King Charles tomorrow when he makes his first official address following the death of Queen Elizabeth. But we're taking time today to look back at the reign of Queen Elizabeth, her legacy, and sharing memories and really taking a look at an extraordinary life. And joining me now is Lee. Leona Boyd, who is often referred to as Canada's first lady of the guitar, but also has a very special connection to the royal family. Leona, thank you so much for being with us today. Good afternoon. What a sad day. I didn't didn't think it would happen so fast. She seemed finally just a few days ago, but uh, Her Majesty will we'll all miss her so much. I was very, very honored and fortunate to have played for her several times, actually, over the course of my career. Which is amazing as well. What do you remember about those times, about playing for the Queen? It was the first time that I played for her. It was actually in Ottawa. Um, Pierre Trudeau, who was, I think, you know, I dated for eight years, but that was just the beginning of our friendship. Um, he invited me to play a little private concert for the Queen and Prince Philip. And then it led to all kinds of other performances, Royal Command performance in Edinburgh. I played Glasgow, then Manchester. Um, in 96, I got to stay at Windsor Castle. I was married at the time and um, had an absolutely fantastic experience with her overnight guest. And I composed a piece for her called Serenade for a Summer's Evening. But she just was delightful and so appreciative that I'd come to play for her and all her friends. Um, she uh, she introduced me to her mother, the Queen Mother, and her corgis. One of them almost bit my nose off at breakfast. Um, <laughs> but she was very well gracious, long live our gracious Queen. Um, she was very gracious. She wrote a nice letter. And, I, of course, I was pen pals with Prince Philip. Um, developed all those years ago. He was fascinated, loved the guitar, fascinated with how I used to well, still do my tremolo. That was a technique he loved. And so I went back to visit. Didn't see the Queen that last time I went back in 2018 because, as you might know, I wrote two books. And uh, the first one describes um, in great detail my visit to Windsor when I was a guest. And the second, my last visit, my last visit when I went to get permission and also to play for him and to sing and reminisce about the times. And I wrote him a a poem that I read to him when he came to Toronto was rather funny because it was at the Royal York Hotel in exactly that same suite where I used to be. Yeah. So anyway, back to the Queen. I just think she, oh, she did such an amazing job. I lost my mother two years ago, but it was a Boyd family tradition to always listen to the Queen's speech on Christmas Day. And I still do, even though I'm usually in Palm Beach these days for Christmas. I'd always turn on, tune in to see the, the Queen's speech and she um, I remember Prince Philip told me what a wonderful marriage they had I mean I never questioned that um, we had a completely platonic relationship he was like a fan of mine and loved to receive letters from around the world I think he was a bit envious of 
I had such freedom to travel. Um, but then he'd write from different places, from Sandringham, Balmoral, and he'd tell me the Queen's Earth riding her horse. And when I stayed in, in Windsor, um, I, I had the, uh, the Queen's, uh, not that clue, page, that's right, the Queen's page helped set up a little sound system the last time I was there. Um, uh, Paul High, High uh, better names, something like Paul Highbrow, <laughs> Highbrew. Uh, yeah, Wybrew, Paul Wybrew. Yes, that was the Queen's personal page, and he had all these different medals. I remember asking him about it. and yeah, I mean, everybody just adored the Queen, and I know they've had the problems uh, recently, but hopefully she's she's in spirit land and reunited with her beloved husband. Uh, they really were a wonderful match. And he said it's not always easy. You know, my role isn't as easy as people think, but um, I think... Overall, there was a fantastic life, and well, I feel like crying. I know that she's gone. It was, you know, just part of our life. I'm from an immigrant family. We came from England. I can't tell you the number of times we, we sang God Save the Queen. It'd be strange to hear God Save the King. Yeah, but, yeah even... Um, even hearing Liz Truss say that earlier today, it, it felt yeah. strange and something we'll, we'll have to get used to. What a fascinating story, though, because you have this window or this insight into, like you said, everybody looked at their relationship. And obviously there are more things going on behind closed doors than what the public sees. Yeah. But they did see this bond and this love between the two. And you got such a, a, a glimpse of that and such a, a, a part of or learning from a or sharing a part of Prince Philip that, that so few people, I would imagine, do. Yes, I was very fortunate. He, he, I asked him, I said, do you, you don't write these letters to me yourself, do you? I imagine there was a page and he was dictating it. He said, no, I type them all myself. And he'd always sign love, Philip, or sometimes yours, ever, ever, Philip. Um, and I, I love getting the letters with the, the royal stamp and... Um, Say from sometimes from Balmoral, sometimes from Sandringham, sometimes from Buckingham Palace. Not that I've been in all these places, but the stationery reflected where he was. And then he'd tell me when he went uh, to France and reminisce sometimes uh, about his life, how how he was in the war um, and in the Mediterranean. I'd, I'd be on a cruise or something, send him a postcard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I do. I must have like 120 letters from him. I'm certainly not selling them. I don't know what will happen when I die. You know, the personal letters, but just uh, to have a fan in such a high place, he's such a historical, or was such a historical figure. And um, bless the Queen, I, I didn't see her quite as much, but I've performed, let's see, about four times for her. They were all command performance. I had to take the Concord. Uh, it was after I swore I wouldn't take the Concord anymore, I remember. Um, but it was only I had to get from Ann Arbor, Michigan, to um, uh, to Edinburgh, and it's the only way. And all oh, the people you'd meet, and she was just amazing. And her mother was very lively, sipping away at some alcoholic drink. I don't drink. So I don't know what it was. Um, and then uh, I had a Sri Lankan housekeeper when I was living in Beverly Hills. Uh, for 14 years. And when we went to visit the Queen, um, he said, oh, ma'am, you're going to hear bagpipes in the morning. And I said, oh, Durban, why? Why would I hear bagpipes? He said, that's the Queen's alarm clock. And sure enough, <laughs> when we were, you know, when early in the morning, we heard the bagpipes going, but she didn't come down to breakfast. Prince Philip and my ex-husband and I ate uh, toast and marmalade, corgi dogs, <laughs> were under the table again, as they had been at dinner. And the bagpipes had, had woken her, I guess. I, I would think she'd be so sick of bagpipes, but uh, obviously not. What a what a strange thing for someone to, to know about as well. Yeah, and oh, I wanted to tell you, if you don't mind me just sneaking this in. Yes, of I course. I have a brand new album out. <laughs> uh, too bad that Prince Philip never got to hear it, but it's all Latin-based. It's called L-O-V-E just the capital letters, love. And uh, it just came out with videos and it's all in a Latin style. I'll tell you one funny story. When I was at Windsor with Prince Philip, I'd um, gone, this is in 2018, um, 
I went into the what's called the white drawing room, and there was this huge bouquet of orchids, white orchids, and um, I got there a little early to to check out my little microphone, and uh, I noticed they were fake. So when when I was chatting, I said, "You know, those aren't real orchids." He said, "Absolutely, they were a gift to the queen. They're absolutely real," and um, I, I knew absolutely they weren't because I. I lived in Palm Beach long enough to know the difference in the orchids everywhere. And uh, sure enough, he went over and he bit one. Oh, my goodness, you were right, Leona. These are fake. I said, well, don't tell the queen, please. (laughs) We we used to have a giggle. He he, he was a Gemini, always very uh, wonderful sense of humor, and he was always struggling with technical things. You'd think in Buckingham Palace they would have good tech support people for sound systems but I'd send him a CD and then it got stuck and then he'd, he'd, he'd laugh I, I did quote I thought maybe I was going a bit too far quoting from his letters but just the humor thing and um, I didn't hear from him for about a month and I thought oh dear maybe he's angry but then he started writing again I thought, oh thank goodness I didn't offend him but I just wanted to share some of the very humorous wonderful um, little comments that he'd make. He even sent my sent a, um, a telegram once to my husband and I. Uh, he wished my cat Muffin. I don't have him anymore. Um, a Merry Christmas once, <laughs> and he, he'd always ask, you know, how I was doing, how the weather was, how my parents were. It was such a privilege, and um, you know, he stopped drinking tea. But I remember having tea with the Queen too, and how when at the dinner, when she looks one way, you all have to look that way. Like when she turns and talks to the person on her left, you have to do the same. uh, It was just such an exciting period. I I tweeted a picture of me with the Queen and Prince Philip and I had asked the Queen uh, at the end, she said, oh my dear, it's been so wonderful having you here and thank you for your performance. Is there anything else we could possibly do to make this day more enjoyable? And I thought it's now or never. So uh, I, I said, Majesty, I've, I've got a couple of photos with you from when I played in Edinburgh, but I'd just love to have a photo of, of you and Prince Philip. I said, oh, yes, but we don't have a camera. But, of course, I'd placed a little camera in my husband's tuxedo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's the picture that's in my book, No Remedy for Love, it's called, and the one I just tweeted. And I think my tech guy put it up on Facebook, too. And I looked back, and she was so... Lovely. The only thing we ever brushed her teeth a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> looking at it. It's a, it, it. it's a beautiful, beautiful photo. What a great memory. Thank you. Well, they drink so much tea. Oh, my teeth would be a bit stained if I drank as much tea as she did. At the end, Prince Philip gave up drinking tea. They told his doctor told me it was bad. And that that dress there that you see is actually in the museum, the National Touring Museum in the U.S. All right. Well, Leona, thank you so much for joining us and sharing uh, your memories today. Yeah, uh, a sad day, like you said. Earlier. I'm joking now, but a part of me is very sad because when you lose your parents and now you lose your monarch uh, for so many years, oh, we looked up to it's, it. It is a sad day. And uh, I, I think my parents would have been very, very, very sad. All of England is sad. All the world is sad. And I got choked up this morning, but Life is too short. It really is. I'm back in Toronto now. All right. Well, Leona, again, I know it. Uh, it is a sad day. So thank you so much for your time and for joining us. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, the tributes are continuing to pour in for Queen Elizabeth, people learning of her passing at the age of 96. A lot of people looking back at her life and her 70 years on the throne, looking back at her legacy and also forward as to what is next. We know King Charles is now the head of that monarchy. We will hear from King Charles tomorrow when he makes his first address following the death of Queen Elizabeth. But what else can we take? from this passing. Well, Tina Taus is a loyal royal watcher and joins us on the line now. Tina, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, what, what were your thoughts when we first learned today, earlier today, a few hours ago, that in fact, Queen mm-hmm. Elizabeth had passed away? 
Yes. Um, well, I think like many people, even though we were aware that her health was becoming more frail, um, we I was uh, surprised at how sudden um, the news came today. I thought with the family visiting, uh, obviously that things were not looking well, but I didn't expect the news as quickly as it came. So it was a bit of a uh, surprise and a shock given that, you know, two days ago we saw her with the new UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss, so uh, in standing. So it just uh, was a bit of a surprise, caught me off guard um, in that sense. I didn't expect it so suddenly today. And I think so many people are, say that or, or are saying some version of that mm-hmm. in, in that we did see her, like you say, just a couple of days ago and she was shaking hands. Mm-hmm. And even though we know, we knew she was 96 and inevitable, yeah. but still still shocking. Yes, yeah, still shocking. I think she was that figure that you just, in a constant, as everyone has said, and you thought she would just keep going. I think we knew she is mortal and time, you know, was passing and she was getting older and that her, you know, with her husband's passing last year, that her time might be coming soon. But it was, again, still a shock. And she was looking, you know, frail, I will say, if I may say so on Tuesday, but she, or sorry, two days ago, but she also uh, had a smile and was standing. And so I just didn't see that coming uh, as quickly as it did today. But also, again, she's been a constant figure for so many of us and a figure of strength. Um, and uh, it just, she went quickly in that sense that I think that's how she probably wanted it to be, um, you know, to not have a long fuss made. So, uh, but yeah, again, a surprise. She's always been that stable figure for so many of us. Right. And so uh, no surprise then looking at the outpouring of condolences, people that have been gathering since the news, even since the news that she was being watched over by a medical team and that her family was uh, going to arrive there, that the family was rushing. Uh, No surprise there that we saw so many people gather Mm -hmm. outside Buckingham Palace and and do whatever they could to show support. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what we're seeing right now, the scene at Buckingham Palace and the outpouring of support is a real testament to the respect um, that her country has for her, whether you are a monarchist or not. I think whether you support the monarchy in its future or not, it's a real testament to just the respect and deep uh, reverence for uh, this um, this uh, person who was did commit a life of service since her young age, um, as she said she would, and she was unwavering. And I think that has uh, definitely earned her that love, that deep respect um, for what she did for the country um, for through a lifetime, right, through 70 years. So um, I think it just goes to show, again, no matter your views politically or with the monarchy or not, just the love and respect for her as a person and what she did for her country and her love deep love for her country, as well as the Commonwealth countries that she serves as well, um, as we're also seeing with the love and support happening here in Canada. Right. And even looking back, and I, I played a, a comment from her that, that was a comment from back when she was, this was mm-hmm. her 21st birthday. That was in 1947, you know, when she talked about the fact that she was going to dedicate her life to the service of the Commonwealth. And to even think about that, if people think about their own lives and what you were doing when you were 21, I, I can't imagine that was that many of us (laughs) that were were doing something that significant and and watching her even like you say even if you were a fan or not a fan to see how she kind of offered that the motherly role to to William and to to Harry when their mother died and and the things that she did that were there are so many things that I'm sure no we can't relate to the queen at all but then she also in these moments seems so relatable Yes, and I think um, from the outpouring of comments we've seen from people who even maybe met her, um, the stories they're telling about how she could just find a natural way to relate to those she met um, when she spoke with them. Um, I think that is something that, you know, I wish I would have had the chance to have met her. I think it would have been uh, something that uh, would have just been amazing to um, talk with her and you'd see her converse normally as she does to put people at ease as we know she did. And yes, speaking to her motherly figure, to William and Harry when their mother passed, I know she received some, you know, negative support at the time for her uh, delay in responding to Diana's uh, passing. But um, I think she did earn the trust and love and respect of um, 
of her people uh, after when she did speak and say, I'm a grandmother here, you know. Um, but also she was duty first as well and did not uh, take that lightly. And as you speak to what she, her statement when she was 21, and yes, no, I was not doing what she was doing when I was 21. So it's amazing. Um, she's always had that maturity to her um, and that level of um, sense of duty, um, which I think probably also came from being, you know, coming out of the post-World War II era and also seeing her mother's service, her own mother, sorry, the queen uh, mom, as we called her, her own queen mom's uh, service and her father's service during that war. Um, and so even though many of us, like you said, probably can't relate to what it would be like to be a monarch of 70 years and all she's seen and all the people she's met, I think she also managed to be very relatable in the stories we are hearing and very down to earth um, when she spoke with people one-on-one. So again, just a remarkable person and uh, what an example to uh, look to for all of us. We were talking earlier as well that for many people, this is the only monarch that that they know. Uh, we did get a call from somebody who said, yeah. wait a minute, I remember her dad as well. And of course, there will be people that remember her father and remember the times before Queen Elizabeth. But what are your thoughts moving forward to somebody who has watched this family closer than most in that we're not going to see this again? We're going to see a huge shift now. How does that change, do you think, how people perceive the monarchy? I think um, it's going to change, and I think we have to be prepared for change and that it won't look how it has looked. Uh, She was always there, right? She's been there for my lifetime. I haven't known another um, uh, queen uh, and or king. So I think uh, as we look to the future, I do think Charles has, uh, and Camilla, I do think as we now call him King Charles III, will um, earn the, I think the people will give him a chance to earn their love and respect uh, and support for the monarchy as um, and to continue his mother's legacy. I think um, it will be different. We know he's worked hard to modernize the monarchy, and I think that's been a good thing for the monarchy as they move forward. Um, I think he'll continue to be aware of that. Um, and, but I do think he will have that deep sense of duty that his family, his uh, sorry, his mother and father and his grandparents, definitely would have um, educated him and passed down to him. And I think out of respect and love for his mother and continuing her legacy, he will continue to do that. And I think William has that, as we've seen, Prince William, um, as well as Catherine, his wife. And uh, um, so I think it will be different. I think we're going to have to wait for some change. As the change comes, get used to it. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, will we see King Charles, you know, on our money? Here in Canada, on on the on the coins, and I know um, there's been statements by the Royal Mint there about how uh, you know that that doesn't just happen right away. So I think um, we'll wait and see how that unfolds and those little changes that enter our everyday happen. But I think in the meantime, we will see him continue the sense of duty to serve his mother uh, legacy as well as uh, his people, as well as the Commonwealth as best as he can. All right. Uh, Tina Taus, thank you so much for joining us and for talking to us on this day. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Jill.